Luck on Sunday. Brought to you by Whirlpool. Bet with the world. Right, this week's Talking Points now with David Yates and Rafe Beckett. Here we go. The bans that were announced on Tuesday off the back of British Champions Day. Just a reprise, Frankie de Tori picked up eight days plus eight days. He went one over on Trawlerman, one over on Kin Ross, Rafe Beckett's horse. Sam James got referred uh, for multiple offences and David Allen picked up uh, eight days for going one over as well on Art Power. So there you are. That's the full compliment. Um, who wants to have first go at this? Rafe, Kin Ross is your horse. I was amazed that he went one over. Astonished. I, I would never have picked that if you'd, uh, if you'd asked me. Never. And, you know, my view would be that by putting a number on it, you, make, you cause more problems than you solve. And that's it in a nutshell for me. I, I suspect you're in entire agreement with this. But we are we are where we are at now. Well, and there does that is... make it? Does that make it? Like we can all say the genie isn't going to go back in the bottle. Well, we've been saying that, that since 2012, yes, haven't the we? The numbers are ridiculous. I've got lots of sympathy for the BHA on on different issues, but not on this. Um, I think the numbers are stupid. I've always said that as some as a as a, a lover of horse racing, as a punter who someone who watched horse racing every day of the year, that you see you you see um, we, you see. Offensive use of the whip. It's much more nuanced than the numbers. Um, you know, we could look at Hong Kong and Japan, who seem much less in a, 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 a much less agitated about putting a number on things. They are now outliers. Than, than, they are now outliers. Well, they're, okay, but they're also the they're also they're Japan, is, Japan is also the, 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 the strongest, the strongest single horse racing nation. I would have said. Australia, this issue is, right, okay, is boiling but, up. The United States, France's whip rules are But where are the hard. rules strictest on, on a wider level? Where are the rules strictest? Vincent Ho got a, what is it, a, a five-week ban, ten-meeting yeah. ban for, 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 for finishing dead-heated, <laughs> winning effectively, mm. and he got a ban. You know, Japan, I can't believe their regulation is any, any no. weaker than, 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 it is, than it is in Hong Kong. And, and let's face it, regulation on a wider level here is lacking, you know, apart from when it comes to the whip. We, we're, still, we're still talking about the numbers uh, to the virtual exclusion of, exclusion of everything else that's on the statute books. I'm indebted to Matt Chapman, actually, who I was talking to at Donkster yesterday, who had said that eight years' worth of bans have been, have, have been meted out since, uh, I think, since March, he said, uh, which is an astonishing statistic and if we like again to go back to the start of this uh, the BHA the people behind redrawing these rules talked about this not being a, um, a, a, an issue of equine welfare but being an issue of perception what's this done for perception what do animal rising think of eight years worth of bans and, and four on on British Champions Day. If, if that's, I, what if I would say, what I, what I would say about British Champions Day is that if if any kind of level of discretion had remained within the rules, I don't think any of those would well, have occurred. Okay, that. but discretion discretion is the discretion was removed at the jockey's behest. Yes, well, d discretion in law is a difficult thing, whether we're talking about whips or anything else. But uh, if if I had drawn these things from the start, I would have wanted a central panel 
uh, which you've got in it, it, where well a central panel where, whereby you are uh, doing nothing else but looking at a jockey's use of the whip, and this is much more nuanced than just the ability to count to seven. It's, it's to do with uh, with place, stride pattern, time to respond, which I know figures in quite a, a few of the the offences. I, I think it's a dog's breakfast, and and the fact that this isn't going to change, and that we're not we're not going to we can't wind the clock back, doesn't invalidate. The views of people who who, who no, rubbish this and say this is this is stupid. Of course it doesn't. But um, they've got to learn to count in the short term. Nonsense. ITV docuseries, um, which is going to air next year and filming for which is going to start in December. They've chosen the jump season to do this, uh, December through uh, through to the spring. Uh, is this is this the right part of the game to focus on, Rafe? And what do you want to see? When you're going to tune in on ITV next year as a fan, as much as a trainer and a participant, what do you want to see from a really good docuseries on racing? First of all, I'd say that I was always astonished at how, how, how underplayed by the sport the uh, horsepower of the series was. The, I didn't. I don't. I don't think. Clear series, I yeah. don't think that you know the sport got behind that in any shape or form, and I. Th- I thought that was uh, unfortunate. What I'd like to see, it, it, you know, what I what I think most people would like to see from the docu series, is uh, the characters. Concentrate on those who are prepared to stand up. Put that you know, above the parapet. Exactly. Be interesting. Be interesting. Yeah. You know, people don't want to hear from, you know, people don't want to see, you know, we're, yeah, we're thinking about, you know, we're, it's all about Charlton. You know, it, that for a start, they need to get away from that. So it's got but to be character based rather, exactly. you know, rather than. Exactly. Rather than rather than the season. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dave, any suggestions? Who would you put on your list? God knows. People you I, like? I think that it's got to be. I, I, Made this point to but you. But it can't just be Paul, Nicky, Willie. Who's going to run in the Brown Advisory? No, no, it? no. It's got to be more than that. Um, you know, inevitably, if you're focusing on the the smaller players with a shot at the title, that's a pretty well worn idea in in mm-hmm. sport generally, rather than just like Willie Mullins with you know 500 horses and the top six in the betting for a certain uh, race. I'd be interested to see how they get on because I, 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 and you know, the the players at the top of the pyramid aren't always as forthcoming as the players at the bottom. One thing I found really interesting, and I know we've gone over again, but one thing I found really interesting, and it's something that I I find fascinating, and I'm hugely ignorant about, and that is the personality of a horse. Right? I've kept. Dogs and cats all my life, and I know when they're quiet, and I know they have different mm-hmm. personalities. But that is something, even for someone who's worked as a journalist for 30 years... To get to know the horses better. Know, the, the thing about Kin Ross, yeah. well, it, he gets droppy. If you, those are things that fascinate me, and if they fascinate me, why wouldn't they fascinate other people? I think that's something that they should right. really, really have a very keen eye for. So get to know the animals better and choose your characters wisely. We're going to be talking to Nick Attenborough because the PJA are a big part of this and he'll be along in a few moments to talk about this. Now, affordability checks. 
The Racehorse Owners Association have um, taken an unusual move this week and they've issued a statement, Dave, saying that they want registered racehorse owners who own 100% of a horse um, to be exempt from any affordability checks. Now, is this just a bit of clever political posturing to add to the, to add to the pressure on government or is this trying to... Uh, create a, or is this creating a fissure amongst racing's constituents? Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't see how it's clever political anything. Charlie Liverton said it. Charlie Liverton of the ROA said it's clearly bizarre that owners who spend thousands should be subject to, subject to checks if they lose more than two thousand quid during ninety days, which is one of the uh, one of the um, things for afford affordability checks. I, I, I was astonished by this. Uh, it, it's 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 built on quicksand. The belief that. Um, Racehorse owners are uh, have more probity in their in their financial affairs than than people at, at the at the base of the horse racing pyramid. There are so many reasons to oppose affordability checks. Whether it's a a, a, a good metric in the first place, the fact that it's going to do racing an awful lot of harm financially, the fact that it's a, a, an unjustified intrusion into uh, our, our privacy. Those are just three. Uh, as a community, as a sport, as an industry, we should be fighting this together. Not breaking off and saying, oh, please, please, miss, please, miss, not me, miss, I don't have to do that. It, that's, that smacks to me of the, the kid at school that the, the school hard nut was always waiting for him on the way home because he was trying to uh, get out of things by, by claiming special exemption. I, I, I had to reread it when I saw it. Um, we've had examples of, 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 of owners who, who haven't paid... Uh, for, for horses they've bought at the sales. We've had owners who have been... Uh, th their business has been shut down and ceased trading by the FSA over the last few months, and they're saying, not us, because we're on a different level to the, all the others. Well, Do you me finished a on the bell, but you've given Ray... Sorry, Ray, but... <laughs> I mean, well, <laughs> I mean, brilliant. I mean, just, a, just two minutes. Um, Sorry, Ray. I agree. <laughs> That's it. That's, That's all. It. Right, on we go. Um, to sadder news, to very sad news, the saddest end, really, for a horse that I think an awful lot of people had really warmed to, even though his career was so fleeting. Desert Crown, the brilliant Derby winner of last year, another Derby winner for Sir Michael Stout. I think everyone very pleased for Richard Kingscote on the day. Rafe possibly not, because Westover again was behind him. But the idea that, that the horse has, has lost his life is, is one that's, I don't know, somehow harder to bear than quite often stories like this are. Absolutely tragic, isn't it? Really tragic. You know, obviously, you know, to, to, to get him there, what did he win? He won a Nottingham Maiden, the Dante Derby. Derby. I mean, to get him there off two starts and to, to win in the, in the way he did was just a, a, was a fantastic feat. You know, it was a, you know, a terrifically well-balanced, well-trained, well-ridden horse. In, on every level, and then you know nothing went right. Seemingly from the moment he pulled up, from then on, it was just awful. Really, really sad. Um, and you, you feel for everyone concerned here, Dave, don't you? And 
and, and you, you, you really felt his absence through this season as well, particularly given what happened after his comeback in the Brigadier Gerard and the fact that Hookham, the horse that had surprisingly beaten him, went on and won the King George. Of course. It's really sad, this. Um, I, I really felt for Richard Kingscott. I, I read his tribute. He said, I'm going to read you a bit of it. He said, um, I don't have the vocabulary to explain how amazing he was. I feel blessed and somewhat embarrassed that it was me who got to feel his brilliance. But, uh, it's... it's it's, it's quite raw that, and mm. I, Richard King has had a tough year, but he got that opportunity at Freemason Lodge because of his ability. That's what that's what that's what happens in sport, and I, I it'll be cold comfort, I'm sure, now someone sitting on a sofa and saying that the good days will return. But I'm absolutely positive that they will do in his case. Um, he gave that horse an absolutely brilliant ride at Epsom. Lester Piggott had died the previous weekend and he sat there it was almost like almost like the, the the ghost of Leicester Piggott he was sitting there in about fourth or fifth just on the heels of the leaders a classic Piggott Epsom ride um, wasn't it mm, wonderful stuff Desert Crown whose uh, life and career so brief but so bright uh, on those on those four days when he raced and I'm sure will be enormously missed by everybody at Freemason Lodge and those at the Newmarket Equine Hospital where he was being looked after in his later days uh, it has been a bad week, uh, David Yates, for Robert Tart, the rider. Why? It has. Um, this was to do with um, a uh, Robert Tart's absence from Wolverhampton in March and the reason for that absence in that um, he was required to take um, a, a, a drugs test that uh, he had a, a runner that day, a, a ride for Jane Chapel Hyam. Um, he was told, I think, that the horse was a non-runner mm. and then uh, didn't want to go to Wolverhampton for the test because that was his sole reason for going there and said that he was going to Dubai and so wasn't able to make uh, that trip. Um, it was uh, There was no evidence that... It, it was alleged that the reason he didn't take the, the trip was for fear of what the test might show. Uh, it was said on his behalf that there was no evidence that he had... He had taken any substances. Indeed, he did take a. Uh, I think he'd taken a hair sample afterwards that that was uh, clean. But of course, this is a this is a, a strict liability offence. In that um, you, I don't know actually that it is a strict liability offence actually. But um, he was he had was given three months for fabricating the story and not being able to. Uh, and, and not taking that test. Okay. Um, hadn't ridden since July. Uh, he had nearly four years out of the sport uh, before returning in 2021. And this is a, a, an instance where I've got I've got sympathy for the for the law and the defendant, if you like. He's clearly had issues. He when he came back in 2021, he, he spoke about mental health problems, and I hope that that he can move on and, and come back and and learn from this because he's a fine jockey. Okay. Um, let's move on then and talk about uh, Nick Rust, the former chief executive of the British Horse Racing Authority. Uh, I mean, about whom Rafe has expressed some quite strong views on this programme before, but that is, um, by the by, on this occasion, he has, uh, he has put his head above the parapet, I think, meaningfully for the first time since his exit, David, calling for change in the sport in a, an address he gave earlier in the week where he said, really, that the... the Plans that the sport has come up with are not radical enough. Yeah, that's to, pretty much the, the to sum it up. The, the size of it. It was a speech at Reputation Matters. Um, Nick Russ said, "Bold change will be required to turn British racing around, as well as attracting new consumers." 
uh, racing's leaders need to push to restructure racing to make it far more efficient so attracting and retaining owners is underpinned by much improved cost recovery rates. Uh, I think it was pretty broad brush mm. uh, this and, and pretty light on detail uh, evidently from what he said and the fact that he's made this sort of intervention that one would, one would uh, deduct from that, that that he feels that the, the plans uh, published recently by the BHA, premiarisation, etc., don't go far enough. Um, is, is a much more radical restructure required than the one that we've, we've gone with? Um, yes, probably. But it was always going to be a trade-off. You know, it's moved quite a long way away from the original Savile plan. I thought it was... I thought it was after timing of the first order from Nick. You know, he was in charge during a spell when racing lost half a million race goes. Was it more? A million race goes in the five years that he was in charge. He's advocating basically a move to an off an off course of, to a system that's pub, that, that's funded by the off course by off course you know 10 race cards more migration to the all weather you know we've already you already did that nick we already we already lost a load of race goers by moving to a system that you advocated that well, that you're advocating now you know he referred to what went on during covid when there was no race goers so how that makes sense is beyond me. It's, you know, and then the bit about, you know, trainers, uh, starter yards on all-weather race courses and all the rest of it. Now, this is just old hat, you know. There are any number of box, empty boxes in Lambourne and Newmarket. Why would you want to then go and set up training in a place where there's no infrastructure, you know. You don't have any suppliers if you go and train at Chelmsford. You don't have any farriers, staff. You don't have any vets. You know, they all have to travel in. They're all travelling, already having to travel in from, from a long way away. I thought it was, I thought it was rubbish. But, but aren't personally. you actually both arguing for a leaner fixture list? a leaner, more efficient fixture list that is better geographically targeted. That seems to me to be the core of what he's, he's advocating. And that seems to me to be what most people senior in the NTF want as well. Is there, what, where's, where's the philosophical difference? What, what we need is a sport that's attractive to the customer. And, and an off-course model isn't attractive to the customer, in my opinion. You know, that's not going to engage people to get involved in the sport. You're, yes, you're, you, you, might look after, you might look after turnover, which we don't see enough of anyway. You might look after that. You certainly look after uh, RMG and, uh, and, and, and Sky Sports Racing. You look after them. Brilliant. We're not seeing any of that either. So... Uh, what what I what I would advocate is 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 a, is a uh, a system that encourages people to come racing mm -hmm. because that's for the long term. That's what I would advocate. All right, let's move on. Social media. The, the sport has employed a what um, ten years ago we'd have called this a social media czar, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we have called him a social media czar? I guess so. 
this is he's the, an ex-policeman yes indeed uh, sean memory um who um has been engaged by the ntf to uh advise on combating social media abuse which is i mean i'm sure i don't I'm, I, this isn't a loaded you were right, I'm, I'm sure you get I'm lots I'm of abuse. Sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure you do. I mean, you know, and that's every day. Of course. Every day. You know, I, I, there's, there's some fella who rings me every time I have a short price favourite beaten. Well, all he actually the time. calls you. He actually calls me. And it's a withheld number, and a couple of my owners call on withheld numbers, mm. which makes it complicated. Uh, but he, he'll ring up and. and uh, and, uh, you know, at least two, I had at least two calls from withheld numbers after Kinross got beat last week. You know, at least. So that's him. You know, this is constant all the time. And, you know, we get emails, we get, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure there's dozens of us. There was one, and this really got me, actually. This really got me. I trained a horse for King Power last year who, who, who broke a foreleg um, going around the loop at Salisbury. James Doyle fell off and broke his wrist, do you remember? And he was out for a long... About three weeks later, and I can't remember the name of the horse, and I'm sorry about it, let's say he was called Fox Power. About three weeks later, this uh, fellow rings me up and he goes, can I speak to Fox Power, please? You know, what sort of, what sort of person does that? You know, so uh, this, is, this is a good thing, and if it gets sorted out, so much the better. I think that, just I'll try and make two points very briefly, if, if you are getting phone calls and they are, you, I mean I, I had a, uh, a time a few years ago when I had three people ringing me from withheld number calls, went to the police station, actually put it in the paper thanking them for their calls and the old Bill said, what do you do? And I said, well I'm a journalist. They said, well any chance you can get it in the paper? I said, yeah, every chance. Put it in on Saturday and they stopped. But of course, the, and I'm sure you know this Rafe, but the fact that they're withheld, if they are of a su sufficient threat and of sufficient seriousness, it's the right thing to do to, to inform the police and say, I'm getting regular calls from this, they can trace the person. The, the other thing is with um, Unfortunately, with social media, we need, and, and no one will do this at the top of the pyramid because it'll cost them millions of pounds, uh, to open a Twitter account or an X account, whatever, you should register your bank card. Mm -hmm. So if you, you never see comments at the bottom of the, the Times uh, website, I'm going to kill this person, I'm going to do this, that and the other, because they've got their bank details, they've got the addresses, they know who they are. That's sadly the only way it's ever going to be combated, but it, it needs the, the people at the top to acknowledge that and do it, and it's going to cost them a lot. Of, it's going to cost them a few million quid to uh, subtract from the many hundreds of millions and billions they've already got. All right, I'm told we've set a record for longest talking points oh, in this yeah, ever. We've got one more for you as well. Pertains to Huntington's <laughs> fixture tomorrow, where there are seven races. Where there are seven, I, he's still chuntering on. Where there are seven races, um, six of those seven races have seven runners or fewer, and the reason for that is that the field size limits are set to six or seven in those races because the stables are being renovated and there are only 51 stables um, available. One or two trainers, notably Christian Leach on X, have uh, complained about this. Uh, John Berry is a, a, another trainer who's, who's had his say on this. It does seem a bit weird, this, doesn't it, Rafe? I, I'm, I'm all behind Huntington's redevelopment and getting the stable sorted out and, and so on and so forth. But if you, if you have no scope to run races up to, the, up to the eight runners and beyond, presumably massively curtailing your media rights payments, why wouldn't you just transfer the fixtures to one of the other racecourses in the group? 
That yeah, I can't or, quite work or, or, out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what Huntington's summer fixtures programme is, but why are you redeveloping the stables during the core part of the season anyway? Why haven't you done it in the closed part of the season? That would be my first question. And secondly, yes, why can't you transfer to somewhere else? That, it that, seems bizarre to me. I mean, we're not, we're not in a position of strength on, on this at the moment. And no. It seems, a, seems an oddity, doesn't it? It, it does. Uh, you know, I did, I did a race course shift at, at Huntingdon um, earlier this month, and we averaged six runners a race because of the, the fast ground that day. And mm-hmm. the, 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 the declarations were, were pretty thin on the ground. And obviously now uh, that... The rains appear to have come in the south, and you would think that that those numbers would go up, and uh, not so because they can't accommodate a large enough number of runners. It seems very strange to say that the, the most obvious thing would have been to uh, to transfer that to a, another fixture within the group. I'm just counting down to ten you, so that we you, don't go over. You, you, <laughs> you don't need to, honestly. That's fine. Those were this week's talking points.